Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. And we go into another week of sports. And once again, we are asking a lot of the same questions. And most questions that, you know, we usually ask are Colin Kaepernick, you know, whether or not teams going to sign him. NFL and random, you know, whether it's racial issues or or players just feeling like they're not being heard. You know, it, it's, it seems like that's always going to be the theme. I think for 2017, if, you know, when I sum things up soon, because we're, we're pretty much at the end right now, that's going to be the main topic. Just 2017, NFL, racism, Colin Kaepernick, and protests. I mean, that's it. That's really it in a nutshell. You can't, you know, break it down any more than that. So this time around, we are in, you know, we're in November. It's the first week of November. There's uh, these different changes now. We got teams hitting the trade deadline. You've got all these different uh, opportunities coming for people. One guy that I want to point out, and you know, he's had probably one of the more checkered histories when it comes to just, you know, his whole, uh, his, his talent and, and his potential and probably not ever going to be able to live up to it because he can't stay on the field. And that's Mr. Josh Gordon. Now, Josh Gordon is a talented wide receiver. You know, he's, he's still, I think, about 26 years old, still with the Cleveland Browns. He really hasn't played in basically two years, and at one point he was one of the best wide receivers in football. Not because he's been injured, not because you know of uh, of things of that nature, football you know related reasons. Not that the guy has been caught on so many different drug charges, you know, failures of the wellness program. It's it's gotten to be ridiculous, and you got to really think about the Cleveland Browns had this guy, you know, just ready to go. And then, like, had a guy like Johnny Manziel actually live up to his promise. We'd probably be thinking about the Cleveland Browns a little different than we do now. Now, that's not saying a lot. I mean, the Browns are still, you know, a team that's trying to find themselves. And it's just, it's just rough when they can't keep guys that talented ready and and just in the right mindset to play football every day so you know that's just something that really stood out in my mind I just can't believe that we're still talking about Josh Gordon if he's gonna play when will he play Uh, the NFL granted him the opportunity to come back now another another chance for Josh Gordon and uh, I think at the end of the month he'll be finally active and allowed to practice with his team again and eventually get in the game. So, you know, it's basically half the season, and you're going to see if the guy can come in for a team that hasn't won a game yet. All right. Look, I'm not saying that he's going to change around the entire season. Cleveland Brown fans, we know that's not going to happen. But wouldn't it be nice to see him out there? I mean, a talented guy, and yet we've never really seen him out there for an extended period of time without there being some type of hiccup, some type of violation. And, you know, he's been very open about that. He's never, you know, played a game where he wasn't either high or drunk. So things like that have just stayed on his mind. I personally, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy in regards to I want to see his talent on the field. I, I just, I'm tired of hearing about his potential I want to see him out in the field. I want to see what he's all about. Let's let's be honest. I really don't. I forgot at this point. It's been so long with Josh Gordon that you really forgot. I think it's been about two or three years now. So I would really like to see Josh Gordon get it all together and just just head out there and make a difference. So uh, I'm rooting for him. Let's hope that he stays clean and let's see let's see him out there on that field. That's what I want to judge him. I want to judge him for what he's doing on that field. Who we won't see on that field, sadly, is uh, Deshaun Watson. You're talking about a freak accident. The guy is, you know, probably the rookie of the year. Having an amazing season with the Houston Texans at quarterback. Just tore his ACL 
in practice. It, it was a non-contact injury. Freak, that's a freak situation. And just like that, he's out for a year. Tears the ACL. You, you can't make this stuff up, and it's it's heartbreaking. The guys have an amazing season. You know, you're saying all these good things about him. You, you just, especially the game he had against the Seahawks, it was a losing effort, but everyone took notice. They said, this guy is the real deal. Just like that, tears his ACL. You know, you, you can't make this stuff up. I keep thinking about the Teddy Bridgewater situation, and, and I can't help but wonder, like, man, it's, what is going on with these players? It, and mind you, you can never predict an ACL injury or anything like that. But it's just been a very big rash of injuries all over the place. I'm really hoping that they can, you know, see if they can bounce back if you're Houston. I don't know if you can. You know, I heard they were actually considering Colin Kaepernick at one point as a replacement, which wouldn't be a bad idea. But, as you expect, did not happen. So, once again, we're still on Colin Kaepernick watch. Will he get signed? Will he not get signed? Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded from the New England Patriots to the Cleveland Browns, so the Browns are still trying to figure out that whole uh, quarterback situation. I'm sorry, not the Cleveland Browns. What am I saying? The 49ers. I'm sorry, San Francisco. I got you all worried and everything. Because remember, the Browns are the ones that forgot to pull the trigger on A.J. McCarron. That's the Browns. That's, that's the team that did that. So let me put that in perspective. 49ers get Garoppolo, which I think is the best move they can make. Uh, you know, I want to see what Garoppolo's all about. He's still a young guy. He's been backing up Tom Brady. And when you're backing up Tom Brady, odds are you're not going to play unless Brady takes a real big hit. So the Patriots trade him away. They bring Then they bring in Hoyer, who was just released by the 49ers. So it was like almost a trade in some sorts. Hoyer has been in that system for years and is the most logical guy to back up Tom Brady. You know, he's never been a great starter. Let's just let's put that out there, okay? He's had multiple opportunities with different teams. And uh, now he gets the opportunity to once again be a backup where he's probably more comfortable and more suited to be in any system. And why not be the Patriots system, which he knows very well from his time there. So Hoyer now becomes the backup. And once again, we are watching football. And, and just to talk about football, New York Giants, it, it's, been a, it's been a struggle. McAdoo has to go. He has to go. And I'm not saying that just because I'm a fan, but you're talking about a guy every week you're hearing about a defensive back quitting on him, doesn't want to play for him. You're hearing about uh, you know, him taking shots at Eli Manning. He says Eli's our leader. But we may have to sit him. And he's 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 open to sitting your your captain. I just think it's very disrespectful for a guy that's won two Super Bowls. As honestly, he has not looked that bad. He, he's not looked like a guy where he's like, oh man, we gotta rush to sit him. The rest of the team's just giving up. And you know, I just don't know what else you expect the guy to do. So uh, Eli Manning, you know, he's he's gotta take the crap from uh from McAdoo, who I've just lost a lot of respect for as a coach. And it's been a rough, you know, a very rough season for the New York Giants. You talk about 1-7 for a team that was expected to be in the Super Bowl or in the conversation for a Super Bowl appearance. Can't win a game right now. And the, the latest beatdown they got from the, from the L.A. Rams at home, it's embarrassing. Just embarrassing. So not a good time to be a Giants fan. However, it's a very good time to be a Houston Astros fan because guess what, guys? You are the world champions, World Series champion, Houston Astros. They took care of business. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm a Yankees fan, so I'm always going to feel some type of bias. But the Astros were the best team, and they just handled the Dodgers the way you should handle a team in Game 7. They got it done on the road, you know, in L.A., hostile territory, and they got the job done. So, shout out to the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve, who probably will be named MVP. He's amongst the finalists with Aaron Judge. I, I just think they had a magical season, a great run, and a well-deserved title. Hats off to them. Just a great job altogether by the Houston Astros organization. I'm going to actually play um, 
some of the sounds of that, as well as a special proposal. Yes, a proposal. Carlos Correa proposes to his uh, his longtime girlfriend on the air while he's getting interviewed, talking about the game and, you know, have to win the World Series, had the rig ready and everything. Which, once again, me being the uh, negative person I am, I had to think, what if they didn't win? Would you wait a couple days? Would you, you know, it would, obviously, what happened that night? I just couldn't see him saying, yeah, we lost, but guess what? I'm going to get married. I, I just don't see that happening. You know, could all be a Debbie Downer, but this was perfect timing, man. He used the right time to say, pull out the ring. We just won the World Series. Way to go, Carlos Correa. So, going to definitely play that um, before, you know, uh, before our first break. And got some NBA sounds now because the NBA season is pretty much underway. We got some fun stuff from uh, Pop, Coach Popovich from the Spurs. As well as the the drama behind Jalil Okafor with the with the Sixers, he has openly said he doesn't want to be there. The guy's still on the roster, and he's productive, mind you. They don't know the right deal. Uh, Brett Brown of the Sixers also is going to comment on it. I just thought that was a really interesting problem they have because the guy wants to go, and yet they can't find the right trade partner uh, partner about it. I actually wrote about this on uh, HoopsHabit.com. Uh, you can check that out in the uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. I think the Brooklyn Nets should make a move at Okafor. So uh, if you have time, check out hoopshabit.com. Uh, Brooklyn Nets, you can go see uh, that article about the Nets possibly going after Jalil Okafor. Uh, the guy needs to play. Uh, you know, you're not going to play in Philly when you got Joel Embiid. It just makes the most sense. So we should see. We should see what happens. So we got some sounds on that. Also... UFC 217. Yes, GSP came back and he is the uh, new he's the new middleweight champion, I believe. Um I watched it. You know, I'm not the biggest UFC fan, but this one's in Madison Square Garden, local in New York City, so I, I love to see that type of buzz around the city. Uh they packed out the house. I mean, you had the guys there, you had the New York Knicks who are led by Christas Porzingis were at the game. Porzingis is probably the best player right now in the NBA. Guys just doing it all for the Knicks. But um, back to the UFC, just a great night of upsets. And I got some of the uh, post-game pressers for uh, for you guys to check out. Or the post-match pressers for you guys to check out. It's um, it's it's just all, like, like I said, it was just a wild, wild night. And, but don't also, please don't forget, we had the New York City Marathon. Yes, the New York City Marathon took place. Amongst all the security in the world because of the terrorist attack that took place that um, earlier that that week. And, I, you know, I, I can be honest with you, man. It's, it's been a tough time, a tough week in terms of just tragedies. People going with, dealing with a lot of loss. And my heart goes out to all the families. It's, it's just a weird time we're living in. When you can't do normal things anymore without something crazy happening. It's it's very frustrating and and you know I I feel for for everyone going through it right now whether it was in Vegas whether it was uh, people down in Manhattan or or the people that you know lost their lives in San Antonio it's it's just unfortunate and it should not happen it it just these people in this world that you you just gonna understand why would you want to take another life like this it just in general and it's it's really horrifying and this is the world we're living in today but um. They had the New York City Marathon, and I actually have a runner that was making her debut run at the marathon. Um, her name is Bridget. I'm gonna check her out and uh, just talk to you. Know, I had to, I had to talk to her about it because when you when you talk about all these different marathons, you don't understand the preparation, the mental you know mental strength you have to have going into it. So uh, it was a great chat with her, and uh, I hope you guys definitely enjoy that. She's um, a native of Atlanta, and she came to New York and just basically tore it up going to the marathon. So definitely a great story, so stay tuned for that. And as always, hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ed Easton Jr. Once again, it's at Ed Easton Jr. And uh, just check out the website, sportssocialpod.com, for more information. And as promised, we are going to get into the whole Houston Astros, 
winning the World Series, the great reaction, as well as that infamous proposal. You are listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stitt Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Tough play, wild throw, and into the dugout. Astros take the lead. 13 straight. There goes Bregman. Oh, throw down, not made. And a stolen base by Alex Bregman, and the Astros have come. One, two. Struck him out on that pitch down and in. Dodgers load him up and leave him loaded. And after one in game seven, here's a 1 1. Chop to the right side. The play is to first as McCann scores. An RBI for Lance McCullers Jr. He's made it 3 0 Houston. 3 2 to Springer. Back at the wall. It's gone. Springer stays hot. Forsyth is doubled off second, and that takes game seven through two innings. McCullers has hit three. Oh. And now he's hit four. High fly ball to center. Back is Springer in front of the track. Tagging and going to third is Seeger, and the throw is cut off. First and third, two out. Quick strikes on Brian McCann. Kershaw had a perfect third. He's retired four straight. Let's touch the outfield grass. The 2 1 to the right side. Altuve fires to second, and that's it. So Bellinger is 0 for 3. Runner goes on a soft liner caught by Guriel. Ethier to the right side, base hit. Five to one. Shattered back. The ball to the shortstop, Correa. And got it out of his glove into first for the out. And Morton had to deal with that. One, two to Springer. In the air to left center field on the move. Taylor's got it. One away. Two. There goes Altuve. Throw down by Barnes. Not close. Stolen base. Morton. 0-2. Struck him out. A foul tip, and it was hung on to by McCann. Here's a ground ball right side, could do it. The Houston Astros are world champions for the first time in franchise history. You saw Jim Crane, their owner, who took control in 2011, the move to the American League in 2013, and building to this moment, world champions. Carlos, Houston Astros, what makes this team so special? You know, since since we met in spring training, our, our main goal was to win a championship. And, you know, every single day in the clubhouse, uh, we gather up as brothers, and, you know, you can see the results right now. Great baseball. Uh, we were able to accomplish the dream of... Houston was on your mind. I know Puerto Rico is on your mind. What are your thoughts right now as you think of your native land and your adopted home? Yeah, it means a lot to me, you know, to, to, to do it for the city of Houston, be able to bring joy, happiness to their lives. And in this moment right now, it's really special. The same for my people in Puerto Rico. I love you guys so much. Thank you guys for the support. It, it, it's, it's, I can't even describe the feeling right now. You've dreamed of this your whole life, this feeling. Is it everything you thought it would be? It's everything and more, man. It's everything and more. It's one of the biggest steps of my life, one of the biggest accomplishments of my life. And right now I'm about to take another big step in my life. Daniela Rodriguez, you make me the happiest man in the world. Will you marry me? Will you marry me? Let me put it on you. 
goes like this. Dodger Stadium. Wow. We've had a lot of firsts here tonight. The Astros win their first world championship in franchise history. And we've got a marriage proposal. She said yes, and congratulations to the Correas. The Correas to be. Okay, so he kept calling me to be next to him during an interview, which I didn't really understand why, because it's just a regular interview. So he was like, just don't leave, just don't leave, like stay right there. And I was like, okay, like we just, I want to wait for the pictures after. And he just had me standing there and he's like, you know, dude, I could barely hear what he was saying. And then I hear him say, I'm going to take another big step or something like that. And then he says my name and he looks at me and I'm kind of like, does he want me to talk in the interview? Like, I didn't really know what was going on. Then he gets down on one knee and then everything else is a blur. I don't know. I just started crying. <laughs> no, I had no idea about that. But everybody knew besides me. So I'm really good at finding stuff out. Every time I had a like surprise birthday party, I always would find out. So I was literally like in like complete dark about this. Everybody knew besides me. This here is a remarkable so so death <laughs> remix. <laughs> J E y'all run DMC to the beach, y'all. Uh. Ah ha. Ah ha. And me? Y'all know my name. <laughs> Come on. See, first of all, yeah. uh. I know these so-called players wouldn't tell you this. What? But I'ma be real to say what's on my heart. Yeah. Let's take this chance and make this love feel relevant. Didn't you know I loved you from the start? Yeah. Back lots of sounds this week, 
And um, like I said, we're going to start with the NBA. Just different things going on with Popovich. You know, he wasn't happy with the officiating, got thrown out of a game with the Golden State Warriors. The uh, Spurs had a lead of as many as 20 in the first half. It didn't almost, and they pretty much lost by 20 because it is the Warriors and uh, Popovich has some things to say after the game in his own way, of course. Then the whole drama between Jalil Okafor and the Philadelphia 76ers. Going to jump into that. And yes, we do have some commentary from UFC 217. The uh, Some of the thoughts from the fighters. And it was just a, a fun night in Madison Square Garden. You're listening to... To, woo, you're listening to Sports Social with Eddie Stitt Jr. on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. I'm so excited, I don't even know how to say it correctly. To be petted? What were you able to get out of petting? Are you going to start? <laughs> Can somebody else start? Because these questions are like unanswerable, they make no sense. Like, hey, what did you think of so and so's play? Tonight? It was, yeah, wasn't my question. So go ahead, well, I'll prove it. Go ahead. What's your question? What so were you able to get out of Patty in the starting lineup tonight? I didn't see the statue. You know more than I do. Danny said the other day that you guys wanted to see more offensive poise. Did, were you satisfied with uh, the way you guys executed in offense? Well, let me just say, whether you win a game or lose a game, uh, it's a game of mistakes. Both teams have turnovers. There's missed shots. There's bad decisions. Passes that should be made aren't made. Shots that shouldn't be shot are shot. So, you know, that's just sort of a moot point. We, we lost uh, against the best team in the world, and there's a lot of things we need to improve, but I can guarantee you Steve will show film, and there'll be things they'll go over the same things that we do uh, as far as mistakes are concerned. So, How did you feel the game was officiated? So you're trying to get me no, in no. trouble. You're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> no, I'm just asking. So it's my money, not yours. That's true. Right? You got a little bit more. So I'm just going to ignore your question. Okay. It's just basketball. It's just basketball. You know, you win, you lose, you go home. If you win, you do it with grace. If you lose, you try to do it with grace. TNT reported that you said Kawhi should be back uh, or could be back within three weeks. Uh, You can't. You can't trust the media. (laughs) Fake news, right? LaMarcus, so what did you get out of him tonight? He looked LaMarcus aggressive. was magnificent. He's been magnificent every game. I mean, his perseverance, his hustle, uh, his focus uh, has been off the charts. He's done a great job. Well, Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Anderson. You already had <laughs> his play tonight, just what he was able to, to give. It was really good. Come on. <laughs> what would you like? Tell me, tell me what you your, like your assessment say. of his play tonight. I think he was solid. Are you guys confident that Lamar? He moved very well. He was <laughs> ethereal in everything he did on the court. <laughs> That's a good word. Given what you've seen from Lamar, are you confident that he'll be able to sustain that once Kawhi comes back? I don't see why not. I can I can suffer one or two more, <laughs> then I gotta go eat and probably have a glass <laughs> or two. Kids are asleep, right? <laughs> a glass of tea. <laughs> uh, come on, quickly! I gotta go. See you in twenty-four hours. Okay, man. Let's just say, you know, you did everything the right way. You know what I mean? Like, you could have, like, Nerlens took a completely different approach. Worked out for him. And it worked out for him. And, you know, you were a trooper, and now you're here and not exactly. even playing. You know, I've, I've tried to do everything the right way. Uh, I've tried to be professional. I'm a team to be professional, but at some point, I have to defend myself. And this is my career. And uh, I'm not sure if he cares about that. Uh, I think that's kind of evident at this point. It's... I understand it's a business, you don't do what's best for the organization, but at some point, as people, on a personal level, you will hope, like, okay, let's just drive out of here, let him go play somewhere because I'm 21, I'm healthy, I'm trying to I'm trying to start my, I'm trying to get on the right path in my career. Now, there were some options, like last year, we all know about Chicago, we all know about New Orleans, you know, Toronto, Boston. I mean, do you, you feel as if 
like there were some deals that they could have taken and, and they just didn't? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, talking to my agent, there were definitely deals on the table. Uh, Brian just didn't deem they were fair, which I understand. You know, I'm a number three pick, but at the same time, uh, that's what teams were offering. And I, me and my agent started getting the hint that they weren't going to offer more. So it was rather that you don't make a move on it or not. And you waited too long, and now I'm here today. So I'm not saying the trade is impossible, but I just know it's going to be really difficult knowing that I'm an unrestricted free agent at this point after the season. Uh, I was fine with that. Uh, I didn't, honestly, I didn't want them to pick up my option. Uh, I've been going through a lot since I've been here. So the fact that I know that at the end of the season, I'll at least have an opportunity to play elsewhere. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, now I'm just in a position to where how can I go on the court? And uh, that's not happening here. And uh, I want to play. I want to play. And uh, Brian knows that. I've talked with him about it, and now it's tough because my option hasn't picked up. Uh, teams are not really looking to give up anything when somebody can walk out the door at the end of the season. So it puts me in a tough spot because I want to be on the court. Uh, this is my life, this is my career, and I'm not getting the opportunity here, uh, which is fine. Uh, the team looks great, and I'm not a part of that. And they're going to continue to do great things, but at the same time, I want to play. Is that one of those things where you're hopeful that a buyout? Could come about uh, I've asked for a buyout. Uh, I talked to Brian about that yesterday just because I want to play. And I know that's not being here, and I know a buyout is one of the options where I get an opportunity to play elsewhere and to get on the court. Uh, but Brian didn't think that that would be a good idea because he said um, then I'll, he'll be giving me away to a team for free. But that's pretty much where we stand right now. Uh, I'm just worried about my career. I want to get on the court. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a part of it from a human side, I understand. And, you know, I, I look at it in a, with a few different sort of vision lines, trying to help him move forward, uh, whether that's here or someplace else, um, trying to make sure that we give him our best effort coaching him and getting him lifting and paying attention and getting shots and playing basketball, although I'm not playing him. Still taking this environment and keeping him positive and moving forward and developing. I look at that responsibility. And he and I talk freely. Then I look at Brian, you know, he's inherited a situation. He's trying to do the right thing by the organization. Jaleel's done nothing wrong since he's been here. He's handled himself with class. And he's been tremendous as a teammate. And so you got this you know, sort of slippery slope of, of Brian trying to, you know, do the best for the organization in a situation that he inherited. And Jaleel wanted to play basketball. And, you know, somewhere out there, I'm always reminded with, with my young guys that, you know, what is the high road? What's the right thing to do? What would you want somebody to tell your son? And so all I know is to come in with your head high and do your job and things will work out. I truly believe that. And so the frustration that Jaleel has, I get. I understand that. I don't begrudge him at all. And I'm gonna to continue to coach him. Brian's gonna to continue to try to do his job. And at 21 years old, he's got a hell of a future. And I, am, I, I truly believe that by just doing the right thing and him staying in shape and engaged with us and the team, that something's gonna happen. And when his opportunity comes, it's not going to be like he hasn't studied. He can jump in. You know, last year I came in and announced to the room that I didn't play him because he had been traded. And everybody went, oh. and that was true. And then it didn't work out. And so he came back in. He's experienced a lot since he has been here. He's a good person. He is a talent. And uh, I'm going to continue to coach him until somebody tells me I'm not. I think when I look at Joel Embiid, we don't we can t sort of end the conversation there. Like Joel's going to play the lion's share of the minutes. The conversation really is Amir, I suppose. And right now, I've decided for defensive reasons and veteran reasons to go with Amir. At times, there was a small ball game that we've played Dario Saric as a five. We're all going to blink, and Rashawn Holmes is going to be in this conversation in a few days or a week or whatever that is. There's a whole other thing coming. And so for me, you know, that's how I see it, and it's my job as the coach to, to, to make those decisions. It's just the decision that I have made, and uh, those, uh, 
those aren't easy decisions, but that's the decision that we've made. And I think Jaleel has greater aspirations, obviously, than even being, you know, Joel's backup, a little bit like Nerland's. And so we, we, we will try to help him and help the club as time unfolds. said by your brother, just your thoughts on it and I guess if you talk to him about it. Yeah, um, I think what, you know, the article and everything was was taken out of context, um, a big part. And uh, I mean, but but it is what it is, you know, it, he, it is what it is, he made those comments and then and, 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 and right now I really want to focus on the game really. I don't want to, you know, just during the season, you know, it's not... I don't think this is the right time to talk about things like that. Would you know when the interview was done? Was it? I know it's a monthly magazine. Was it a few weeks ago? Or was it I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't asked. I don't know. Have you asked uh, your brother just about? Did you talk about the story? No, I mean the the you know, it is what it is. He's you know, it's just um, it's the business side, and 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 right now I don't think it's the right moment to talk about that, you know. There was a lot in there. What specifically was taken out of context? The, the, I think the, the main interview was much longer and just more, you know, it was just a few things that, that were taken out, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, you know, Giannis made those comments and, 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 and I, want, I just want to focus right now on playing, you know. Do you Chris, have they know? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, it's it's. I really want to play ball. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to just play basketball. You know, and 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 that's it. Just just simple as that. And I think everybody around knows that. That's it. Giannis obviously means well and everything, but do you wish sometimes that those remarks didn't get get out at this time when he was doing? Mm, that's my brother uh, and my agent and so and whatever you know whatever comments he makes or, or whatever he, it's you know it is what it is it, you know it's just I don't know how to put this right <laughs> and I think we'll get to that uh later you know we'll talk about that more later not you know now before before a game you know, I, don't think, I don't think it's the right moment but but um you know as the season by the end of the season or, or something you know, that's that would be the right moment i think for those guys is, is there anything you want to say at all about what he said about carmelo or the contract situation is there anything you want to clarify or is it just i mean me and me and carmelo we have a you know we have a great relationship uh, no matter what and uh and it, it's 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 taken out of context. A lot of that stuff is is you know that's not how we meant it. And um, and we, me and Melo, we know what kind of relationship we have, and, and so it's not you know I'm not worried about that. In other Do you words, worry about the fans? Be critical of Carmelo. He was just stating his idea of what may have transpired in terms of how Carmelo. Conducted mm, that's not that's not how I. I uh, that's not how I um, understood it. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that once the once the time comes. I, I know you tried to avoid talking about some of this stuff, oh. things, but are you happy with the way things have gone since this summer since you've returned? Yeah, I mean, um, it's uh, I've been I've been really just trying to focus on the on 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 on, on playing basketball, being being who I am, and 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 not you know bringing all that you know stuff from last year or, or just drama in general into this and uh, I think that's a that's an important thing for me keeping going forward also just just having that that mindset of you know just doing what I need to do on the court and that's it. Has Giannis been in New York a lot? Am I what? Has, has your father been in New York a lot? Yes he's here now he's in New York.
do you worry the fans might take it the wrong way too? I mean, it's you know whether it was taken out of context and that the mm -hmm. way it came out was, hey, if he's not happy, he's out of here. Mm -hmm. You know, fans, you know, they'll, they'll they can turn in a heartbeat. Sorry, say it again. Fans yeah. can turn in a heartbeat. Do you worry about that? Right. I don't think so. I think the fans know. I, I you know. I'm here in New York. I love New York, and um, I see myself as a Nick for a long, long time. And um, I think they should be worried about it. But the, your brother, when he talks, it doesn't sound exactly what you just, what you just said. It sounds a little different. Everybody understands it differently. Um, you know, we, we're we're on the same page. We're on the same page, and and. So we, we shouldn't be worried about that. I gotta go lift weights, guys. All right, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The gate tonight was 6.2 million. The attendance was 18,201. Uh, performance of the night: Rose, um, Dillashaw, GSP, and there were so many. I I uh, actually gave OSP 25 and Ramos 25. So. We gave another bonus and just cut it in half and gave it to those two guys because what do you do, right? I mean, it was an incredible night. I always say that, that, that this sport is all about holy moments. This was the holy card. It was, uh, I, I mean, every time I would get up to walk over to the octagon, the whole row behind me was going, holy or wow, or, you know, it's no matter how much of an expert you are, you think you are, you just, the sport's crazy. You never know. And I didn't win. You know, ultimately, that's why we do it. George was the better man. I felt good in there. He's got clipped. That's the way it goes. You go down, he locked up. A, he was very strong. You know, he had a good grip. I was trying to fight his hands. You know, not a lot more you can say, really. I felt good in there. Felt like that, you know, when he took me down, I could get up when I wanted. I beat him up with some elbows off the back. He wasn't, I felt in control on the feet, but yeah, God bless him, good for him, that's the way it goes. He's, he's fast, you know, he was uh, ready for those leg kicks coming in, and every time I was, I was setting up my kicks, you know, he, he's, he's avoiding them, you know. Um, I almost did too much setting up, you know, they knew what I was doing. Um, I had to change that up in the second. Um, and because of how good a shape I am, I was able to bounce right back from that right hand, you know. I mean, I knew he had a dangerous right hand, and uh, came back in, and you know, cleared out the cobwebs a little bit. I am the better fighter out there. You know, he was able to capitalize on a, a low left hand, a right hook. Um, you know, that, you know, hats off to TJ. You know, he battled back, uh, you know, from losing his title, and he was a hungry man. But I, I still am the better fighter in there, and I'll show that in the rematch. It's been a rough week <laughs> um, up until, you know, the fight started. It was just, uh, seemed like everything was, you know, trying to, distract me and and be thrown in my face and uh just you know but everything i just kept listening to my coaches and um just trusting them trusting myself and you know i got the job done but i will keep my head up i'm not a champion anymore but i will be back stronger uh, but i'm still professional athlete and i've been doing this for half of my life for 14 years so definitely i will keep my head up and take this as uh, as a champion, you know, as, as a former champion. Sports social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back. And I have a special guest with me on the line. And she was actually a participant in the New York City Marathon. As everybody knows, that's like the biggest marathon out there. Um, Bridget, how are you today? I'm good. I'm as good as anyone could be after running 26.2 miles. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, uh, well, actually, I couldn't because I could barely walk, you know, a mile. So uh, you definitely got me beat far from that. But uh, just it, just take us through just the process of, like, deciding you wanted to run in the New York City Marathon. Like, what was that like? Okay. Well, so during the New York City Marathon, there's two races. You have the Abbott Dash to the finish line. So it's like a 5K, a precursor before the New York City Marathon. Last year, November 4th, it's my run anniversary. I made the word up, I know. <laughs> um, I ran, that was my very first race since I was like little. Because I ran in high school, I ran in middle school. And I never really actively pursued it because I never thought I was any good. But I apparently was, but no one ever like kind of instilled that confidence in me. Um, 
I ran that last year, and that was my first race. It was so much fun. It was exhilarating. I finished in, like, it was 3.1 miles as a 5K. Um, I finished in about 30 minutes, and I was like, holy crap, I really love doing this. I love the feeling afterwards. Um, somebody who deals with anxiety and depression, um, it really made me feel good. It made me, it gave me, um, well, I like to say, purpose. Um, and I ran it yesterday. I mean, ran it on Saturday. And I said to myself, was like, I want to run a marathon. So I just haphazardly entered all of my card information and, like, bought, like, six races afterward, after that race last year. And I just put my name in for a drawing. So a lot of times with marathons, even the ones around the world, you can do a drawing. You can do a guaranteed entry by if you have, like, a really boss time, you can get in. Or you do it through a charity. So I just put my name in. Gave him my card information to charge me $250 to torture myself. <laughs> um, and torture, well. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, and I got in. They randomly emailed me like February or March is when they like accept people and told me I was accepted into the marathon. And here I am today. <laughs> um, that, is, that is really cool. That's, um, yeah. Uh, so it's so basically, you know, you, you went through all that. You have, you obviously got some experience going into it, mm-hmm. especially yes. knowing what everything that happened. Uh, I believe that Tuesday, um, yeah, from the, you know, the terrorist attack. I, there had to be some mm-hmm. fears going into, you know, a big race like that with so many people around. The security was was the security yes. a big issue going into it? Um, security wasn't. I did feel very safe like going into so they have um transportation you can either take the usual new yorker route of taking the train down to the staten island ferry and then going over to um fort wadsworth with um which where is where everyone starts um i chose to do the bus so i took a nap on the way there um they basically screened everyone they made everyone clear their pockets out they had clear bags for everyone military was there Police was in the gazillions everywhere. There was a one instance, I normally don't ever check my phone during runs, but they sent out an email and they put a notice up on an app because of the app so you can track all the runners during the race. They said there was something going on in mile 18. Well, when, and they were saying that you may, they may actually pause the entire run. And if you're going to pause close to 30,000 people on a bridge would have been very interesting. But only thing I saw was they accosted like two people, like with book bags, mm-hmm. on the um on the bridge going into the Bronx. That's the only okay. thing I saw. But they were handling it. It was like eight cops on each person. So I don't know wow. what that was, but we were we were very vigilant. So I would say they were very active about getting the notice out, saying like we may have to stop. Also, there was just always security somewhere. There was a cop like every few meters, like a cop. So, oh, great. I was nervous, though. I was really, really nervous. It did scare me. But I think also they probably had people in, like, the high-rises or on top of buildings just to be safe. But that's just my assumption. I think I understand that. And, you know, obviously just going into it, especially something just happening a couple days prior. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously people haven't forgotten about what happened in Boston a couple of years also. Um Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's it's a different time we're living in, and you know it's not just okay. You can go do a race. You got to be aware of everything going on. But uh, and then, exactly. you know, you, and then you have to actually run it. So just like put us through, you know, was it a struggle like the first couple of miles or the last couple of miles? Cause that's a long, long race. It is a journey mentally, physically, emotionally. So mile one was okay. It was like Wu-Tang came on my playlist running out of Staten Island. It was really cool. Great link up. <laughs> um, it was foggy going over the bridge. Brooklyn, I would say, having ran in Brooklyn a few times for, like, races, Brooklyn is the best borough to run in on a race day because they come out in droves. Emmanuel Baptist, they were having church on the side of the street, so they were just going up, and everybody was having a good old time. <laughs> then everybody's just families. I heard so much Prince from Queens to Brooklyn. It was just all Prince, which is great. I can't complain. <laughs> so they were all playing 1999. They're all playing everything. Um, Purple Rain soundtrack. That's all you really kind of heard for like the good fi- first 15. Um, 
talking to some runners that I met there since it was my first marathon and I've done others, they were like, try and keep your wits about yourself till mile 22. And that is probably one of the hardest things you can tell a human being is to not run full out until mile 22. <laughs> um, it's all hills. It is mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest in the world. It's all hills. There's never not a hill. Um, the bridges are really, really tough. Like a lot of people, like you may drive over them or bike over them, but running a bridge, running the Queensboro Bridge, I think it was Queensboro, RKB, which is the one that goes from Bronx to Manhattan, um, the Staten Island Bridge, and I think I'm missing one more. It was like five different bridges you got to run. Um, They were all hard. There was one that was not easy or not easier than the other. They were all hard, just all hard. Um, it was really fun. Everybody kind of stayed in their zone. I cried from mile 22 to the end. I cried. Just ugly cried. Kim Kardashian ugly cried the whole way through. (laughs) I love the image you just put together there. Yes. Because literally you get to the point where your legs are so unbearably, like, tired. They're tired. Your brain is like, I can't go any further, and you have to literally push through that pain. Like, mile 21, 22 is, like, where you see everybody literally just break down. Like, you literally separates the boys from the men, the girls from the women. Like, you just know, like, everyone's there with you suffering. It's like a group suffering session. Everyone's crying. Everyone's limping. My my hamstrings were given out. My calf muscles were given out. But I walked for like two miles. I was like, all right, I'm gonna walk two miles from 22 to 24, and then I ran the last 2.2 because I was like, I'll get there faster if I run than if I walk. So I finished. My goal was to just finish. I didn't have a time. Mm-hmm. I didn't have uh, uh, like, oh, I need to finish in four hours. Like. Nope, I just wanted to finish, and that was – I am very proud of myself to just finish. Yeah, um, it was great. I, tell, I, I feel like everyone should run a marathon. Okay. Um, do you want to reveal your actual, like, official finish, like, time and place? Oh, no. Um, it was five hours and 24 minutes. Okay. Perfectly okay with me. And with um, marathons, you also have a course time that you have to finish – um, they can even vary anywhere from six hours to seven. So um, I think with New York, you have to finish in seven and a half hours or seven hours with the cutoff time because, of course, we shut down the entire city, basically. So you got to pick up the barricades. New Yorkers got to get on with their lives. So um, they always have a time limit when you need to finish. And I didn't die, so I'm good. <laughs> and that's really what it's all about. As long as you don't die, yeah. you're good. You know, you yeah. through the race. Now, obviously, you're feeling the the effects of it, you know, a day or two yeah. after. It's... Yes. <laughs> are you able to walk? Does it feel like just sore? Like, what are we? What What are you? Is your body going through right now? So yesterday, I had to get my boyfriend had to give me a piggyback ride up the stairs because I did I couldn't walk. I just like I couldn't walk, so he kind of had to like pick me up, put me in bed, um, pick me up, take me to the bathroom. Which is probably really personal, but it's just you, you literally your legs are in a flexion, so in a running mode, you're basically doing forward propulsion the entire time. It's kind of hard for your legs to actually move after a while. Um, today, they're actually pretty okay. Like I can walk. I should walk because if I sit down too long, my legs will just tighten back up. Um, the worst thing they tell people about the after running a marathon is your brain is the part that needs more recovery than anything because your brain is firing for anywhere of you've been up since what six or seven o'clock the morning before mm-hmm. and like the day of the race and then you don't fin you run a five hour race and then you have to keep your mind in check and making sure your brain is the thing that actually needs most of the repair. So my wow. brain I'm a little fuzzy. Um no um like dizziness or nausea or anything, but like Responding to text messages takes me a lot longer now because I actually am not reading them fully, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, that's yeah, the what, biggest. It's like cognitive That's actually functioning. the perfect excuse. If there's somebody you're trying to avoid texting, you just tell them, like, I just ran a marathon. You know, I can't. You know, that's like the perfect excuse right there. That's great. 
Oh, exactly. <laughs> I made sure that I responded to all my text messages from my family and friends yesterday because I was like, today I it the neuromuscular firing in my brain is like I it hurts. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah. I, hey. I feel like that's going to be my excuse for the next week if anybody asks me why I'm not doing my job to the best of my abilities. I write a marathon. That would be my I like it. I like it. I'll take that. So, but you're yeah. already, you, you're already like a professional. You're, you're active as a, as a person anyway. Yes. Could you let yes. people know, like, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm a personal trainer. Um, I train at a private club in the city, and I also am a, trainer that trades outside clients as well outside of my job. My, um, what do you call it? Your 40 day clock in, clock out, nine to five job. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Pilates mostly. I am a runner. Well, first time soon to be, I want to be a, uh, a great runner. I'm getting there though. Um, and like weightlifting. So I've never done any competitions, but I really am a meathead. Like I love deadlifting. I love squatting. I love bench pressing, pull-ups. The basic things to get the blood flowing. <laughs> yeah, um, and a former dancer. I did dance. I got my degree in dance from Temple in Philly. Woo woo. Uh, <laughs> I um, also dance for a company. I danced in a few shows. Um, danced for a few companies. Like little base things, but I'm moving more away from dancing because they don't pay the bills as much as I as I would hope, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm still moving and still being active, and that's kind of my platform for anything, especially people of color. I'm always very big on we need to be active, we need to get moving, and we need to take care of ourselves and protect our mental mental fortitude with what's going on today in society. So, yeah. All right, I definitely hear that. Is there any uh, links or anything so people can get in contact with you if they want your services? Because, you know, I know for one I need to be in shape, so I may have to call you right away. <laughs> Listen, I take online and I take in-person style clients. You can find me on my Instagram at slamdunkinfit. So it's S-L-A-M-D-U-N-K-I-N-F-I-T. And then my email is B, as in boy, dot Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N, dot fit at gmail.com. And that's where you can find me. All right. It sounds good. Bridget, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to speak about your journey. It, it sounds great. Honestly, you got me interested in just wanting to get in shape and possibly try for a marathon, maybe in a couple of years, but, you know, I'm, I one day want to try and get there. Anyone can run. If you can run for the bus or run down an avenue, and we all know avenues are the longer portions of the street, you can run an avenue, you can run a 5K. Trust me. Okay. Okay, I like it because I'm just like a couple half, of buses like trying to run. Thank you. You run down two avenues. That's half a mile, just about. <laughs> All right, definitely hear you on that, Bridget. Thank you very much, and uh, take care. All right, bye. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to once again another great show, and um, to remind them that to just make sure to check out the website sportssocialpod.com, mrEaston.net. Let me know your thoughts on the show. Give your feedback. I'm always open for feedback. I also want to give another special thanks to uh, Bridget, who's just on the show, sharing her experience in the New York City Marathon. A lot of courage, a lot of respect for everything you have to go through in terms of preparation. It is not an easy thing. And um, as always, keep tuning in. Check out the uh, past episodes, whether it's on, um, you know, you could go to Player FM, uh, Stitcher Radio, uh, iTunes, of course, SoundCloud, whether you listen through Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. It, there's different ways you can catch the show, but follow, and I appreciate everybody that subscribes and everybody that takes the time out to listen to the show. I have a lot of fun putting it together, and I just wanted to make, I want to make sure it's a good product out there, something a little different for people every week to check out. So uh, until next time. I'm Eddie Easton Jr. You, you've been listening to Sports Social here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.